Okay, I'm recording. Ooh. Good, finally. Jeez. <laughs> Greetings, my excellent friends, and welcome back to the San Dimas School of Film Podcast. Join us on our most excellent adventure through time as we discuss all genres of film. Online again, with me in the electronic booth today is Brad, Jules, and Al. How are we? Good. Yo. I'm good. I'm really good. Very good. Excellent. Ooh, you sound great, Al. Thanks, Brad. You do sound good. Thank you. The smoothest voice of this podcast. <laughs> mm, love songs and dedications. <laughs> This next one. Work is hard. Yeah. <laughs> this next song goes to um, Brad. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> so, bit of a, an important day for us today because we are revisiting one of our earlier tragedies of this podcast, our very first and only lost episode, um, which we figured, hey, now's as good a time as any to go back and, and have another look at this one. So today... I kind of was this a was this a request early on? Did who did someone request? No, this was my choice. I think this was Brad. This was your Brad, choice, Brad. Yeah, mm. yeah, sweet. Yeah. So, Brad, you're taking us back to 1964 mm-hmm. to watch the satire film um, Doctor Strangelove: How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Um, <laughs> but before we get uh, before we get started, it's important that at the San Dimas School of Film we acknowledge and are grateful to our first storytellers, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the unceded lands that we are recording on. Hit that booth, Jules. Gentlemen, we're history. Nineteen sixty four the record technically shows we've never been here before, but we know we have. Um Episode thirteen now, was. Thirteen was it? That was like three, four years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was a while. Uh, that's going way back. Yeah. Um so without further ado, Brad, we're not doing a theme because it's rubbish on this platform. History with Brad. Go. Cool. And Jules sounds like he's calling in from like, you know, Antarctica or something. So he sounds so I'm bad, doesn't it? <laughs> 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 well, it's always one of us. Yeah. All right, nineteen sixty four, Doctor Strangelove. Rated A. I don't know. Right. Yep. Awesome. Um Jules, no you will never guess the uh, the aspect ratio on these ones because there's three of them. Six. Really? <laughs> <laughs> There is there is two sixes in there. All right, <laughs> yeah. So we have. I was close. It, for some well, reason, now this is this whole negative ratio thing, which a lot of these older films have. So it was a a one point three three to one negative ratio, a one point eight five to one theatrical ratio, but then a one point six six to one negative ratio again. I'm like, yeah, right. whatever. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty much what counts. <laughs> I love yep, that you include up. this. You include this part of the segment that you just clearly don't care about. I love <laughs> Someone's got to be interested somewhere. Yeah. Um, I don't know who. Um, all right, nineteen sixty-four. There was a hell of a lot going on. Um, the Vietnam War was uh, was starting off nicely. The Boston Strangler was caught. The Warren Commission reported on the assassination of JFK. Um, civil rights and racial uh, issues were a huge thing in the states. So the Civil Rights Acts of 1964 was uh, released. Um, Martin Luther King wins a Nobel Peace Prize. The Beatles released their first album in the US. Uh, Ford releases the Mustang. Um, the UK abolished the death penalty. Illinois. Nelson Mandela is sentenced to life in prison. Um, and there's a, there was a soccer riot in Peru that killed 300 people. Whoa. God. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's one hell of a, of a fisticuffs. Um, the Olympics were in Tokyo and Sidney Poitier becomes, becomes the first black actor to win an Oscar. Uh, so that's just a quick wrap up of 1964. Lots going on, big yeah, change. Especially given this film, like the context Huge. around this film. We are, we are in the Cold War. Yeah, that's right. Like we've just had, you know, 62 was the Cuban Missile Crisis, which is like, you know, yep. 
a lot to do with this film. Uh, mm-hmm. And then obviously Kennedy was, was killed in 63. And yeah, it's like, it's very topical. Yeah. Isn't it interesting um, that we do another movie where like straight after like a, like a huge issue, like, you know, this is right in the middle of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, and then Jules, we, you sound like garbage. And then we did, um, oh, do I? I'll work oh. on it in a second. <laughs> okay, and then, sorry. And then we, when we did, um, what was the movie in the 40s? The, um, the Third Man. Man. Oh, the Third Man. Third Man, right. And that was just after World War Two. so, mm. yeah. Yeah, we're loving this a topical is, um, film. Yeah, and I reckon at the time, this film was shocking to a lot of people because mm. like to, to do a movie about the cold war and a satirical comedy esque film about such a serious topic that had a lot of people in the U S especially, and, and even, you know, in, um, in the UK, um, extremely worried and nervous about, you know, the futures and, and things to, to then come out with this satirical film right in the middle of that is, it's pretty ballsy, really. So ballsy. Um, I, I was reading a bit about it um, and Kubrick was like on this serious, serious deep dive of nuclear holocaust, basically. He was reading all this stuff and he was mm-hmm. he was massively into it. Um, so was, do we know if there was any backlash to it at the time? N- I, don't I don't know. know. It, I don't think it did well at the cinemas. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if it did that great at the cinema, but um, like it became for me. This is my this is my favourite Kubrick film by far. This is yeah, this is I agree. One for me, I've watched this many, many times. Um, but this is, is amazing. It is a slow burn. Can it I is, just say it is definitely um, a slow burn? I'm actually really happy that, in a certain sense, that we lost this first episode because this coming back to it was so much better for me this time. The yeah. Baron I effect. Had, I had such a great time. Yeah, well, <laughs> let's not. Let's not, please. <laughs> but, yes. Um, I was watching this yesterday. I was I was into it the whole time. Like I remember yeah. the first time I watched it, I was kind of drifting in and out a little bit. Um, but this time I was I was in and I was loving it. Yeah, this was such an easy watch last night. Like I had a great time with this. Yeah, it's. Even though it does sort of take a... Well, I suppose it doesn't really take a long time to get into it because it's basically into it it's as straight into it. it starts. Yeah. But it's mm. still really... It's still a really sort of slow sort of burning film. Like, it's, it seems like it's all done in, in... Well, kind of in real time. So it's that sort of that two-hour session of the of what's actually going on. It's, it's not... Like, it, it doesn't jump from to the next day or the day after. It's literally... This is what's happening. two hours... Yeah, over this two hours. Yeah, yeah. So it's all in that period. So um, yeah. jumping in no, between scenes. I totally agree, Brad. I think this is this is my favourite Kubrick. I've really grown apart from a lot of the Kubrick films. Um, Some just, of the more the bigger ones like The Shining and stuff like that. Yeah, look, I enjoy The Shining, but I like I I can't even consider going back to things like Clockwork Orange, and they just no. you know they. They're just unnecessary. And even all the stuff that's come out about um, the production of The Shining and treatment of Shelley Duvall and all this sort of stuff. Like, it's, Mm. you know, it's just, I don't need to go back to it now. I'm like, okay, sure, they were groundbreaking films and times were different, but I just don't need to see that kind of stuff anymore, I don't think. Yeah. Um, Whereas this is like really super sharp satire and it was going to be initially, it was going to be in one of the early drafts. It was just like a straight drama. Um, And then at some point, the more he kept reading, these ridiculous things kept popping up and, um, and, and he's like, actually, I think this needs to be a comedy, uh, which, which makes it incredible. Like it, it really. Well, he definitely does point out a lot of the the stupidness of the situation in yeah. it. Um, like especially when the, the president's speaking to the the Russian Dimitri. president <laughs> and it's like you know they're 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 just good friends. You know, Dimitri they're both just these absolute <laughs> weak people 
that don't want to upset anyone. And it's just like, and there's I this bad saying in it where than me. <laughs> the, um, yeah, it's exactly. I'm awfully sorry that I had to get you away from your mistress at this time, but you know, the world's <laughs> about to end. Um, Do you think we could turn the music they, down just for a moment? <laughs> yeah. I love it. Dimitri's like hammered drunk on the other end of the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but there's great things. And there's my, my favourite line in the whole film is when, they're, um, when the Russian ambassador turns up and starts fighting with um, General Turgeson. Mm. And, um, and the, prime, the president goes up to him and goes, you can't fight in here. This yeah, this gentleman, this is the war. <laughs> 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 Every time that line comes out, it just cracks me up. It's like, I uh, love it. Um, but just even like, just there's all those generals and all those people sitting around the table and it's just all, no one's there wanting to upset anyone or do anything and nothing's getting done. And, yeah. and the only person that's actually got any idea of what's going on is, is uh, General Turgeson. And he's basically just trying to tell the, the president that it's like, well, you signed off on all this stuff and yeah. um, we tried to tell you about it, but uh, it's kind of done now and we can't do anything about it and the world's about to end. So, yeah. Yeah, but Turgeson's also the only one in the room almost that's super psyched about the end of nuclear war. Like, so well, pumped. He, he tries <laughs> to take so advantage pumped. of the situation. Yeah, he's like, yeah, now yeah. that this is happening, let's just go all out and completely Yeah, we can out. do it. Yeah. yeah. Imagine. Yeah. He's, he's really on board with it. Even when like they know that they're screwed and they're going to get the bomb off, he's like, we can emerge from the caves before those commie bastards. You know, like, he's <laughs> yeah. such, like in terms of being a motivated general, like he's your man, you know, like he's really motivated just a win for America, you know, at, mm. at no ends, you know, so. Yeah, but interesting. He's one of those guys, so he's, he's, he's making the most of the situation. Like, he knows that there's, there is nothing that they can do about the situation yeah. and it cannot be recalled. It cannot be done. Um, well, it's, it's more that not he's, not, he's not fighting it. You know, like um, uh, Mandrake. Mandrake? Yep. Yeah. Yes, Ellers in, in the office with uh, Jack Ripper. You know, Jack yep. Ripper's Jack Ripper's set the whole thing off, right? Because yep. because the commies, the loophole. commies don't drink water. Like, yeah. It's all about li- <laughs> liquid essence, and you know he's gone completely insane. And it's him that right. yeah, it's it's him that kicks this whole thing off. But uh, Mandrake is there trying to stop it. He's like he's continually yep. working to. No, this is. We need to stop this. I need to get these codes in a very ultra British way. Yeah, for oh, sure. So but Turgeson, <laughs> Turgeson's the other side of the page. He's like, oh well, look, it's no good that this has happened. But while it's happened, let's take advantage of it take, and get rid of these commie bastards. Like he's and and some of the bits I love are like when he's talking about the plane flying so low and it's running out of fuel it's the only plane left and he gets so excited he's like well if they've got a good pilot yeah he can come in you should see this thing fly mr yeah. president it's amazing you know, he gets really like into it yeah, and like excited. Enough. he's like it's amazing you know so yeah. i think yeah there are like different aspects that people are coming at it from all it, to it could almost point out that real they could point out that real like American kind of mentality of shoot first and ask questions later. Whereas like, you know, uh, Mandrake, he's like doing everything in his power to mm. deter it. You know, like it's the two different worlds. It's in the, an extremely yeah, it, calm way. Yeah, like yeah. The whole keep, keep calm man thing, you know, he's just yeah, the, like, the doesn't even break a sweat. Yeah. It's the whole glory it of, um, it's all glory of war type attitude. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Right. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, but even when um, Mandrake's talking about being uh, captured by the Japanese on the Burma Railway and, and you know, and, and um, Ripper's asking him, you know, did you ever get tortured? And he's like, well, yes, I yes, did. Yeah. And, you know, not getting emotional about it, just, yes, I did. And, uh, yes, and I think they basically just did it for fun. And, you know, rah, rah, carry on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's about to start a nuclear war. Good show. Better stop it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it starts really early. Let's, let's go and punch in that code Call them back. It starts super early with Turgeson in that scene, like the satire, um, where he's in that hotel room with his secretary and the secretary's asking oh, yeah. the phone. You don't even see Turgeson yet. And she's just on the phone. Mm. And she's taking a shit. Yeah, yeah. And she's just like <laughs> top secret information across the hotel room. 
you know, like but she's like she picks up the phone and and really professional, and it's like, oh, is it you, Freddie? Oh, yeah. Freddie. And, blah, 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 blah. yeah and then when she relays yeah. a message to um to Turgeson, it's like it's General Such and Such on the phone. He's asking this. Yeah, and she's totally like screaming oh, out Freddie, top he's... secret information like, across <laughs> yeah. you know that you'd hear through hotel walls for sure. Like you know the the ridiculousness of the whole thing is like right from the start. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> There's a red somewhere that go, go, Brad. I was going to say this. There's some of the comedy (laughs) stuff is bits and pieces that I reckon at the time only Peter Sellers could have done as well, especially like the, you know, the trying to call at the end after, um, uh, after Ripper's dead and he picks up the phone and, you know, and it's, it's been cut. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's still funny. And it's in such a Peter Sellers way and a brilliance that if another actor had done it, it wouldn't have been funny. But he's, he, he was really good at that. Like he's bringing in like his, his character of um, Mandrakes, this really serious character. But there's still all this little sort of mini sort of slapsticky sort of stuff in there that's really yeah. clever and, and well done and, and ultra prop set up um, things that I reckon that Peter Sellers was the master of, of you know, that he, he became ultra famous for, of, you know, of all his um, Pink Panther films and all those sort of things. Yeah, he could take what he had and, on set and, uh... and run with it. And a lot of yeah, that, was, a lot of the war room dialogue, all the phone call dialogue is all very ad-libbed and, you know, very Peter Sellers-y, um, mm. let alone the Doctor Strange what, what's love What's he stuff. out of that, but besides the Pink Panther? Like, I'm, I'm like... Peter Sellers? Peter Sellers was yeah. one of the... Oh, like, I, I, like, I'm not that familiar with... He was one of the goons on the goon show with... Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Have we seen... Um, Harry Seacombe and... Spike Milligan. Mm. Have you seen Bean there? He was in Bean there, which I studied at school. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Um, and he was, he was in the party. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, uh, he was supposed to play Major Kong as well. Um, oh, right. He was like, oh, no, four, four is too many. Can't, can't <gasps> yeah. do it. would have been great. Yeah. Happy with three. Yeah, but then they pulled in, so they get slim pickings, the... the the bloke who played Kong, and apparently he's just—he's awesome. That's just him, like <laughs> yeah. that's pretty much exactly him. So people were like, "We didn't know if he was like staying in character or that was just him, like on and off set." It was <laughs> it was pretty cool. Oh, like, that's amazing. In, you know, I um when when I first watched this, however many years ago it was, um, I wasn't on board with the Doctor Strange like character. I just thought it was a bit too much. Yeah. But I was so on board with the Doctor Strange. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So on board. <laughs> How good is it that they get like, he's talking to himself, um, you know, they're, they're editing and stuff to make it all work out. And even when he's talking yeah. to Turgeson across the bench when he's uh, playing the, uh, the president and Turgeson's explaining that the, the thing, like it all can't be done. Yeah. If you look in the background, it's Strangelove sitting in the background. So it's Peter Sellers dressed as Strangelove in the background of the Turgeson shots. Yeah. Um, as he, as Turgeson's talking to Peter Sellers as the, the president. And it's like, yeah, it's right. just brilliant. Like the editing is just it's insane. Together the three really characters, well. the three characters couldn't get any, like, they're just, they're unreal. All three of them. They're, yeah, and they're, they're so <laughs> like, they're polar opposites, you know, like it's so oh, absolutely. good. It's yeah, great. They're different um, enough that you don't spend, like, I, I tell you what, I didn't find myself going, gee, Peter Sellers is doing a good job. You know, I guess, you know, mm. this wasn't a Gangs of New York. Uh, what's I did a little bit. I did a little bit. Yeah. But it didn't bother me. Yeah. Yeah, right. It wasn't off-putting like, um, what's his name? Well, uh, I mean. Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Just Day-Lewis. leave him alone. That was a great. Oh. Al, come on. <laughs> the the come first on. time we watched this was the first time I watched it. So when we when we first reviewed it way back when, what, episode 13 mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Yes, yeah, sir. And I'd, I'd never seen this before. And. Like I didn't realize until we were doing the podcast, until we were actually doing the first recording, that uh, Peter Stellars played all three of those characters. I actually thought they were different people. I had no idea because, like, I hadn't mm. looked it up or anything. And then you yeah. guys, no, he plays, yeah, he plays Mandrake and Strayline and et cetera. And I'm just like, really? Like that's like, you know, I think for to not even recognize that you know, yeah. you know like normally you're watching a movie and you can be like, you're like, ah, it's that person dressed up and like you know like they do that. I didn't pick it at all. Like I just, mm. I didn't pick I it at all. That just shows how good an actor he was as well, is yeah. that he could just immerse himself into it and, or make you believe in that, um, that he was someone else, which I suppose is the whole point mm. of being an actor and what then, you know, 
some people just play themselves and, you know, they're, they're typecast and they just have one thing that they can do. But Peter Sellers was like, he was this, he could morph into these characters and, and become them. And you'd believe that he was, he was whoever he was acting as. Yeah. yeah. And um, the cool thing is, found... sorry, Jules. No, I go, Al, go. Well, I was just going to say the cool thing about that is that he's, he's not, some of the roles, he's the straight man and some of them he's not, he's the, the zany one. Like, it's not it's not the same trick that he's doing for three different characters, right? Like like a, like a Mark Myers or something, right? Yeah, that's right. Like yeah. you get this like all the funny stuff about the president is actually coming from someone else. He's feeding off whether and whether it's him having a conversation to Dimitri on the phone or mm-hmm. or playing against Turgeson or playing against Strange Love even. He's the straight man. Same with Mandrake. Mm. He's the very straight react, reactionary character to Ripper. Mm. Um, you know, it's whereas then Strange Love is just like all 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 bets are off, you know, just like got the possessed <laughs> the possessed arm and and that sort of thing. And like <laughs> if you look like those scenes are amazing to watch. After you watch it a couple of times, then you start looking at all the people in the background. And how much they're really, oh, yeah. really trying not to laugh. The um, the ambassador's the worst. The ambassador is is corpsing the hardest in that scene. Oh, he throws a few cheeky smiles in, does he? Yeah, yeah. And I I I watched an interview with the editor who was like, "Man, you had to be like cutting it so tight. It was like one frame after the joke because the the whole background would just lose its shit straight away." Like. It was a <laughs> yeah. Tough yeah. There's a there's a scene in um in Wayne's World like that where it's when Wayne there, it's in the first Wayne's World where he's like oh I have the cream of some young guy, right? And apparently the entire like after he says that line, you'll notice that the scene goes really quiet, and it's because they had to kill all the audio because pretty much the yeah. entire cast and all the crew members just erupted into laughter. It was one of those like yeah, unscripted nice. lines that he just threw out there. So it's like. This, um, especially in the uh, the strange love scenes, it seems like there would have been a lot of a lot of cuts and uh, a lot yeah. of retakes because mm-hmm. of just of just yeah, just people pissing themselves laughing. Especially if, if a lot of it was ad lib and just like the first time he started doing the hand thing and and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, it would have been just quite amusing. And people would have known like because he was in. We're talking prime Peter Sellers time, yeah, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And people would have known that he was renowned for just, you just let him go, you know, and that's the brilliance of him. Like, you know, here's your basis yeah. of the script, go. Yeah. Um, so no one a... would have been expecting, known what to expect or what was going to come out of him. <laughs> and that would have been just hilarious to be around. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's funny, like, um, we've got to give credit to a lot of, or a lot of our cameramen in, in not mainly film, but when it comes to, I just want to point out, like with stand-up comedy, like when we've had, gigs where you're operating camera and you've got to follow the guy on stage but when they're being really funny it's really hard to keep the camera steady because you're kind of like giggling and that giggling comes through in the camera so you're like you've got to work really hard so like you know props to the crew to keep a straight face whilst you've got to be watching but not listening almost you got to be yeah exactly right that's it don't don't pay attention to the content so do you reckon like pick up on the cues do you reckon people like Will Ferrell and things like that, do you reckon they kind of got, have gone, oh, like, here's this, you know, like, Al, you were just saying about how they would have been like, oh, you know, for Peter Sellers, here's the general idea. Now, now kind of do a lot of ad-libbing. That's kind of like what Will Ferrell does. And a lot of people really don't like it. You know, they're just like, they just scream, they do 500 takes and they just pick the best one. Do you reckon Will more, Ferrell's... I think there's is that more just kind of throwing, throwing shit against the wall to see... Yeah, yeah. There seems to be more of a formula with the Will Ferrell stuff, and there's there's a bunch of other sort of comedians that are doing it as well. Where it's like, yeah, you know, the one that immediately comes to mind is the um, when when Will Ferrell's cutting his cutting ropes with some ice skates. That's what I thought about it. Yeah, and he just throws a yeah in Blades of Glory, and he throws a different line in. 20 times like oh skates you're a harsh you know you're a harsh mistress mistress or, or whatever yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah whereas these he, he they're definitely situational it's about having a conversation with the president who's you know dimitri's not a there's no dimitri in the film it's just peter sellers having a phone conversation 
Yeah, to nobody. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's 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 much more I don't know. I don't want to say creative. That's that sounds insulting, but intelligent? Yeah, I don't know. There's just there it's, seems it's probably more worse. clever humor, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's not, but it is. It's a lot it's a lot more clever humor. Like it's I think it's clever. it's yeah, smarter. It's, they put more time into really focusing on what is needed in a scene as opposed to just like what contrasts a scene so much that it's shocking and you'll get a laugh out of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's well. It's well, self creating. Uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of cre- cre- sorry, Timmy. That's right. It's Cell is creating this conversation, this whole conversation in his head, and delivering those lines, as opposed to like a one-line throwaway reaction kind of thing. Yeah, mm. uh, it's not just yeah. a response. It's a whole scene. Yeah, it's a scene. Yeah, exactly right. Well, because, um, and- you know, the difference, I suppose, will be that Peter Sellers is trying to tell, he's trying to tell the story in what he's doing, whereas, you know, Will Farrell just trying to escape from being tied up. It's yeah. not a, it's not, wrong, it's not pivotal think- to the story. Do you know what I mean? It's, like it's, it's funny. Like, and I'm, I'm only laughing. using that example. Yeah, that's right. Different. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I, I spent a lot of time laughing at those takes, you know, listening to those different takes go over and over in terms of, the end product of the film, you only get one of those takes. They pick one and in it goes and you don't mm. think any different. It's not till you see all the other takes that you, mm. you know, you get a peek at the sausage factory as it were. But um, yeah. they do a lot just, of that with the, the Will Ferrell film. So they did that in like Talladega Nights too at the end. You get yeah. that you know, where they're doing yeah. the advertising thing and it's just, you know, the Jack Hawk 9000. <laughs> yeah, that one. And it's just <laughs> continuous, just him ad-libbing and just going off and John C. Riley cracking up in the background. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, this is this is just much, and it seems to flow better too because of it. Like you know, you've got a quality actor doing a quality role, um, and it, it just works. Um, Speak so, for even though actors, we brought it up, uh, well, yeah, go. I was gonna say, like, just really quickly, with um, it's I found it so weird to hear James Earl Jones on a young. James Earl Jones. Like yeah. I'm like, it, to me, I'm looking at this young guy. I'm like, oh yeah, that's James Earl Jones. But it doesn't look like him. It sounds like they've like overdubbed James Earl Jones' <laughs> voice onto someone else. Got him into a voice act. Yeah, he's still like Simba. Yeah, I have him as senior James Earl Jones. That's how I picture him. You know, like, so when I see him as a mm-hmm. young guy, like the voice is on point. Like he sounds exactly the same. But you just like it doesn't compute. I'm like, this person doesn't compute with this voice. It's so bizarre. And James, it's really weird seeing James Earl Jones as a young person though, because he basically got to like a certain age and then pressed pause. So for like twenty years he didn't seem to age at all. It was just James Earl <laughs> Jones, whenever you saw him, looked exactly the same for like twenty or thirty years. So to actually see him as a young person is weird, yeah. This is and it was almost like he first role quite, um, Yeah, it hadn't his voice hadn't quite matured. He's still like 10 octaves lower than everyone else in the film, but it's still, you know, it's, it's not Darth Vader yet. So, um, no. <laughs> you know, he's still got a bit of growing up to do. Oh, <laughs> oh God, that whole saga's ruined. Um, um, I had a, I had a really rough time. I've, I've got this on, uh, I've got this on DVD, uh, but it's quite old now. Woo. And um, it kept skipping. It kept like skipping over the, the damaged, <laughs> bit and i'm like oh come on so i had to like rewind a bit and go back into it and but yeah it was was frustrating but uh and rewinding dvds is just pain oh it is it's really tricky it's really tricky there's no back 10 seconds button nah it's it's terrible yeah, apparently a good trick for DVDs and things like that is to get toothpaste. If you toothpaste, get toothpaste, yeah. then you do outwards smearing, <laughs> a good smearing of toothpaste. <laughs> apparently, it works quite well. <laughs> All right, I'll smear. Apparently, it, apparently well. it works. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, smear I, away. I I found a, a making of doco that I was watching, and um, they were talking about the interior set of the the B fifty two, and how they weren't allowed they got no information from the military. They're like, nah, you can't have any of that. That's top secret. We're not giving you any of that. So they found this book that had a photo on the front cover of the cockpit of like someone in the cockpit, you know, with a cockpit in the background 
And that's kind of all I had mm-hmm. to go on. And then someone like elaborated from there. And when the film was being, crafty. yeah, it's awesome. Cause like, it's a great, I really enjoyed that set, that whole interior of the B-52. Mm. You got, you got that they were just flying around forever. You know, they were playing cards. They were doing their job, but they were like living there as well in this tiny cramped area. And the yeah. bomb guys were in this really tiny space down through the floor. And apparently when the screenings were happening, some like top grade military folk came and saw it and they were like freaking out at how accurate <laughs> the inside of the plane was. And Kubrick was getting all these calls from like the FBI and, and Kubrick was then calling no the set designer like, dude, where did you get this information from? Cause we're about to get in massive amounts of trouble and all this kind of like, yeah. And I'm like, Oh, that's great. It's, it's, it's a cracking story. That one. Well, there's all these, uh, there's they... all these great, um, go. No, I was going to say, we read some, I read somewhere that they had to change like particular policies because of this movie. Oh yeah, probably like, in terms of yeah, like so. Like I read I most likely I read it, actually, they were like they were like oh geez, this is a this could be a real problem. Like so, after this movie came out, uh, America changed its um, its the policies around who could authorize launches and things like that. I, I don't really know all the details. Well, it's a, more, but it's a great line. It a while back, it's a great line when the president's like, "How has this happened? Don't I have to? I thought I was the only one." Yeah, I know. Like, oh well, as Plan R, Plan R's in the event of, you know, things things being blown up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a and lower... Plan R was brought in because someone said that we were incompetent at doing any of this, so we brought Plan R in to counteract that. Yeah, yeah. Then... <laughs> you must remember that you know when you signed this because of this guy was doing this and this and this, if you recall. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, we did do Plan R. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. and then, but then the president's <laughs> like, yeah, but how did this guy, like? you know, what happened? How did this guy still have the authority to do it? And, you know, Turgeson's like, well, sir, it's fair to say that he's lost his marbles. Like he's, you know, like he says the absolute <laughs> obvious, like, or he, but he says it really formally. He says something like he, he exceeded his authority or, you know, like yeah. it's so yeah. obvious, like, yes, obviously he's gone and done this not properly. Uh, yeah. It was just like, oh, I was having a great time. <laughs> not properly. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it. You sit there and it becomes really scary about the fact that this could all like it could have just happened like this, you know. And and yeah, the the whole mismanagement of and I think they say it at the start, you know, the the uh, war is too important to be run by generals, and then now it's changed to you know war is too important to be run by politicians. And you've got all these politicians yeah. that are that are that are basically in control of all this stuff that have no idea and still seeking military expertise to actually make a decision. So. Mm. It, once again, getting back to that satire of the of the whole thing, but yeah, must have been extremely shocking for people to have watched it and be sitting there thinking that, well, this is how easy it could be that we'd be at some form of nuclear war with Russia, um, uh, in a time when you know this was being massively shoved down your throat. That's it. Cuban Missile Crisis yeah. would have got a hell of a lot of people extremely anxious. Oh. You know, with the Russians just parking a whole of the missiles literally just off the coast. Literally just um, yeah. Because you you can Um, imagine the amount of people at the time in the military that would have just been getting so frustrated with the whole situation and gone, why don't we just nuke them? Let's just do it. You know what I mean? And the fact that... Yeah, I reckon there would have been some aggressive people, that's for sure, like really, like really gagging for it. And and I think this is where the the genius of the satire comes into it because if it had been a serious thing, I don't think it would have would have landed as well. It would have been like too, I mean, that's the, the brilliance of satire, isn't it? It's like, it's too real because you're laughing at it. You can mm. take it easier mm. or something. I don't know. Like, yeah. You know, well, it's know. one of those things. So yeah, I suppose it's because it's so, it is so real, but it's so stupid that you kind of have to laugh. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've but that makes it so much time. scarier. Right, like I think, absolutely, I think yeah, show, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's it's way more effective showing how ridiculous the whole thing is to be, mm-hmm. and it makes it really, really scary. Mm. Yeah, it must have been a terrifying time to live. 
Um, yeah. Oh, imagine living through it. Jeez, that would have been – And especially like, because – you know, there wasn't the same technology that we have today, so everything was a bit more clunky, a bit more easy to fail. Um, you know, malfunctions probably would have happened a lot more. Um, and the other thing is just the sharing of information and news is, is far superior these days. Most of it's crap anyway and misinformation. But, you know, you were, you're only told what the people wanted you to hear back then. Like, you know, you couldn't just go on Google and, you know, check out another person's theory. So the accountability is different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So people were believing everything that the media was telling them um, because that's all they had. And I think it still happens like that in the States a lot too. Uh, the, 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 what the media is allowed to tell or what the media chooses to tell the, the greater masses, um, probably not just the States, it's globally, but you know. Mm. Um, yeah, I know. It just would have been a really bizarre time to live. Well, uh, since we're um, going back yeah. to... Should we cut it off there? Since we've gone back to episode 13, how about we take this time to have a word from our one of our old sponsors uh, and we'll, we'll come right back after the break. Are you struggling with bogus amounts of accumulated junk? Are you suffering from a heinous limitation on space? Are your organisational skills like dust in the wind? Then your answer is so crate, so great crate storage solutions. That's right, your philosophical questions have been answered with this most excellent, easy-to-use storage system. We offer short and long-term storage packages at affordable prices. No way! Way! Cellcrates has put a lot of thinking into how you can better store your belongings, so call our offices today. Our service now includes reduced packages for university students. <laughs> Easy, Socrates. So get philosophical on your cluttered life and call Socrates So Great Crate Storage Solutions today. Excellent! Socrates is so great. Not a real business. All right, thanks for that. And yes, Socrates are so great. Uh, Jules, <laughs> you, you, you had your hand up. Did you want to say something there? Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I wanted to talk about some of the, the model work in this and like how I love how kind of like I put in, you know, inverted commas, like how primitive this model work is, but it just works really well. Like, I just think the way it's done is just awesome. I don't know why. I'd, I'd, I'd prefer to watch this model work than some of the CGI that you see in a lot of movies. Like, there's something about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Because you know it's a model, but it's really well done. Like, there's a scene where the, the jet, it's when they're flying really low, and and it's like, the model isn't moving. It's just stable <laughs> as a rock, yeah. right? And the, But the background's gone past really fast. And I'm like, oh, that looks really funny. But then I thought to myself, I'm like, if you actually had a fixed camera, somehow had a fixed camera on that jet flying that low, it would actually be as stable as a rock. Like, it wouldn't be moving around like crazy. It would just be yeah, perfectly straight lines. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. oh, that's really cool. How, I, thought, how, I just thought um, that was really effective how did your logical brain even though it is kind of a satire and it's supposed to be like that how did your <laughs> logical brain deal with some of those flying scenes because sometimes you're just like <laughs> that just looks so stupid it's literally like, a fishing line and it's, it's going sideways <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah, yeah. yeah but it works it because so of the satire good. angle mm. like i think if well, it had been a serious film it wouldn't have wouldn't have worked yeah. i mean they do the same like we've we've already talked about it before i can't believe the similarities between Dr. Strangelove and Wayne's world, but they do the same thing in Wayne's world. They use a really dodgy model plane to show them flying to England, but it's the same vibe. It's like if it was really fancy uh, digital effects or, or practical effects or whatever, it, it wouldn't be as funny. It wouldn't hit the right note. I reckon. Yeah. Oh, I was just really on board with, with what they did. Like, I just, I remember like the first time I watched it, like way back when in the episode 13, I was just like, I was just like, I'm on board with this. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because it's like, it's an old film. It's in black and white. And I'm just like, I'm just, yeah, everything about it just worked. Like, it, like in terms of that aspect of the film, I just really, really enjoyed it. So I think the, um, yeah. I can't remember what film it was now. Was it might've been third man that we were talking about how it's very dialogue driven. Um, and mm. this is very much the same. I did find the dialogue in this way more engaging, and maybe mm. it's because that's where the comedy is. Like it's mm. it's that subtle. It's more of the subtle comedy for a lot of it. Um, whereas, and and so I felt like it that it was the dialogue in this that kept me interested 
mm. um, as opposed to other films where it's been more of a hindrance and more of a slowing down of the progress of it for me. So, and the thing with this is like, there's a lot of action in this movie, but you don't really see a lot of action. Like, I think the most action-packed part, apart from like the flying scenes, is when you see um, uh, Major Jack Ripper when he's or General Jack Ripper, whatever he, whatever he's. That uh, is, but it's when he's shooting, and there's like a couple of like army shots of the guys shooting yeah, at each other in the airbase. Yeah, yeah, but beyond that, there's really not a lot of action in it. But like when I think back to this film, I'm like, it's pretty action packed. Like there's actually a lot going on, but yeah. it's it's, it's implied, more from yeah, it's all from the from the person's perspective. Well, I suppose yeah, it's 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 from a le- very limited perspective, and you're you're right. It's implied. It's it's you know like the missile scene. You know, you it's not we don't see the missile chasing the aircraft or anything. All we're getting is the radar, the radar. shot, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's from it's the perspective what, of so just the guys. Super effective the plane. too, like yeah, because that's all really they can well. see. They can't see the the missile either. Like it mm, just yeah. it really works from and that the, perspective. Um, and the the missile diversion scheme was turn left. Turn right. <laughs> yeah. Look, turn I can't right. imagine turn right. not have, having absolutely zero experience. I can't imagine B fifty two bombers are all that manoeuvrable. You know, no, I don't think I so. I can't imagine they they've were, got much more than turn left, turn right. Yeah, they're kind of like the they were <laughs> yeah. the the semi trailer of the sky sort of thing. They were yeah. just designed to carry yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. Yeah, they, were, they weren't nimble at all. No, no. Um, no. Which is is weird, sort of. Um, not weird, but I suppose it's very. Um, American orientated because they were easy to make and they did the job really well and they could carry a huge payload and things. But the, um, the alternate side of it was the, the British version of the same plane was a plane called the Vulcan, which was this supersonic, um, way, way, way more technologically advanced than a B-52. B-52 was sort of dragged kicking and screaming out of World War II, whereas the Vulcan was this futuristic plane that, um, that could stay in the air for days and, mm, and yeah, right. you know, achieve speeds that no other plane could achieve at the time. It was just so much ahead of its game. And it was it stayed yeah. in action until like the mid-80s or something as this an un- untouched and, and unrivaled aircraft. Um, there you go. Purely cool. just, to, I just Yeah. I just it looked it up. It's a, it's a Delta wing. It's freaking awesome. That's a badass looking aircraft. Well, the B-52 just looked like something out of World War II, whereas the, the Vulcan was this thing that still looks futuristic even today. Um, yeah, it looks yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was a cool plane. Um, but yeah, I remember watching an article on them about how the, the guys in those things, would they'd spend like days in the air, mm. um, basically just mm. flying around the sort of that northern coast off, um, you know, Finland and stuff like that. Yeah, just being on standby. Just waiting. Just on well, standby, and they, and they say that at the they say that at the start of the film, they're like, there are all these planes in the sky, and none of them are more than two hours from their primary mm-hmm. targets. Like they're all just yeah. mm-hmm. waiting for the waiting for the go codes. So um, creepy. Yeah. I want to talk about the music for a bit. The music is great. <laughs> See, I was going to bring that up. So. <laughs> yeah. Like the there are three major parts of music that I really dig. The first is the opening the very opening yep. where the planes are refueling, right? Mm-hmm. And it's and real it's, happy. Oh, it's, you know what it is? It's really romantic. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's <laughs> this real love letter. Like these refueling planes are actually just having sex. Like it's this real <laughs> romance <laughs> kind of overtone, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty fantastic. Cause it's like, you know, we're so in love with, with war basically. Yeah. Um, the next bit was, the music going the whole time we're in the B-52 with that hummy, the you know, it, it puts you in this, like we're doing, we're doing our duty no matter what it takes. And even though we're quite confused about it and, but we're <laughs> doing our duty. And that's that humming going the whole time. Uh, yeah, and then the last one there's the um, the we'll meet again over the pretty much the oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, it's I'm gonna add another bit in it too. So, there was the bit where um, when Mandrake finds the radio and it's this happy sort of beatnik music, and he's, he goes into to Ripper's office and it's just playing and it's just this happy beatnik music because yeah. he's basically saying, uh, this is there's there's nothing happening, and you know, yeah, this is a serious whole situation. In yeah. the background, there's this just. <laughs> 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 
Al, going back to that that song where you mentioned uh, the one where we'll meet we'll again. Meet again. There's an episode. Yeah. yeah, that one. So there's an episode of um, Futurama, and I'm a massive fan of Futurama, where um, uh, they blow up a bunch of stars, blah, blah, blah. They use a bomb. And I, I never realized, I was always like, that's a really interesting song to play. And I never realized until I watched uh, Strange Love that I was like, ah, oh, that's where they got it from. Because they play that song over the credits. Yeah. You know, when the bomb goes off. And I'm like, ah, oh, they've copied it from Strange Love. And then I'm kind of like, well, it's, it's Matt Groening or Groening, whatever his name Groening. is. He does a lot of Groening. He does a lot of, uh, obviously, there's a lot of this movie in The Simpsons. And the one that always yeah. comes about, to I think there's three or four is, things. Three or four things from yeah, this movie that The Simpsons has done. Homer, the most Homer famous Homer one is, the is Homer riding the bomb. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's well, and that's a very, one. like, iconic shot yeah. anyway, like, yeah. outside of The Simpsons. Like, oh, yeah. it, like I'm sure... I'm sure we discussed this in our episode 13, um, but that would have been something you guys had, had picked up straight away. Like, oh, I know this shot mm-hmm. yeah. from mm-hmm. yeah. a thousand things. You see it all the time. Just, and, uh, yeah, holding on to it like a, like a rodeo bull with his, and he's got his cowboy hat up and he's yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, it's so <laughs> it's great. That and and the, you don't the see it coming room? in. Like, that, that's the funny part about it in the film where he's, he's trying to kick the bomb down and then all of a sudden it just launches with him on it and you go, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Well, he's in there. Hey, He's in there to fix the bay doors. Like, there's nothing wrong with, yeah. the, with the mechanism that, that deploys yeah. the... He just orders. doesn't get off in time. Yeah, he's just because they're like, where the hell's Kong? We don't know where he's gone. He's in there fixing the bay doors, and he gets the bay doors open, and then he's got to work out how to get off the bomb. But they release it before before he has time. How would that have Whoops. been a kamikaze mission in the end? Because there's no way yeah, they would have gotten that. out of that zone. Did they? They were saying they were saying the initial the initial fuel trajectory was going to get them to the primary and secondary targets, and then. And then out, but then the revised one mm. had them at the primary target and then ditching somewhere. Oh, so that's what they were going through. The their ration pack. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that ration end, they pack. Couldn't even, they couldn't. They couldn't get to the primary target though. That's why they they had to divert that's right. they and go to yeah, a different no. target, which is I think one one of the reasons why they couldn't stop the plane because they believed it was going to a different oh, target. Oh yeah, sure, sure. But the fact um, that I um, think the, don't quote the, me on that. The falling time of the bomb, in, like in comparison to like re- regardless of whether they had a f- full tank of fuel or not, I feel like they wouldn't have gotten out of there quick enough. I don't know. Like it just <laughs> unless that, that was well. sped up or I don't know. Well, isn't the thought that they're high? They're high enough when they drop a oh, they drop okay. a, yeah a bomb. Like but they that. must they must take pull up, I guess. But you they want to yeah, that... <laughs> I don't know how any of this works. So you know. I don't know. Um, yeah, Timmy, you mentioned that. Um, that uh what was it called the ration the survival kit yeah you know that Kong is like yeah and that's a really popular um prop replica for people to to make is to collect all those things and get them into the into the i'd love one of those sitting on the shelf it'd be great because what it was like a little uh, tiny food yeah yeah food bible some condoms (laughs) yeah Money, um, hundred money, 100 rubles, hundred things of gold, and Kong at the end is like, you could sure have a good time in Vegas with one of these. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it was, and it was a pair of like, was it a pair of nylon stockings? Oh yeah, as well, that's you know? right. And like <laughs> three lipsticks, like yeah, <laughs> just some like insane amount of lipstick. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, that, that, that's obviously part of the satire thing as well. It's like you know the, the people just laughing at what was in these those kits. Yeah. But it's probably yeah. what was in those kits. You know, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you, yeah. you need stuff to be able to trade your way out of things when the locals come. And you know, yeah. When I read that somewhere. somewhere that um, he he originally says instead of he goes shoot a fella could have a good time in Vegas with these. Apparently, it was originally Dallas, uh-huh. um, and they re-recorded it to Vegas because um, you know, like in months uh, before uh, yeah. the movie was released, Kennedy got shot. Fair enough. So that's why they changed mm, it from Dallas yeah. to Vegas. So I'm like, oh. I've been, uh, yeah. I've been uh, to to date the show a bit. I've just finished season two of Umbrella Academy, which is all set in like 1963 Dallas. So I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like totally in that world at the moment. You're so, in that yeah. zone. In the zone, You're right? The um, zone. <laughs> one of the one of the great bits of satire I really loved about this film was pretty much all through the Ripper scenes, all the battles that were going on. 
they kept showing they kept showing that billboard that pieces our profession. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's the all. It's the through almost every one of those exterior shots. It's just, it? Yeah, it just yeah. kept coming up like constantly. Dudes, dudes unloading clips underneath them, and and it was mm-hmm. almost like you know it's clever to show it once as a subtle thing, but they showed it so many times that it kind of came <laughs> back on itself. Yeah, bit. totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, yeah. How are we doing with time, Jules? Kicking on, all right. Kicking on. Uh, good, good, good. <laughs> I think so. I actually, I actually don't know. <laughs> I don't have the timer in front of me. There are a bunch of little. I was going to ask. Oh yeah. no, I'll go hell. Oh no, there were just a bunch of tiny little, like like we talked about earlier. The script is really what what hammers this film home, uh, and there are a bunch of tiny little lines. And one I found myself like laughing out loud was um after the plane gets hit by the missile, you know, they go through all the, um, the checks, you know, and they check that all this and the fuse for this and that. And, and one of them was like, uh, I think the auto destruct got hit and it's blown itself up. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just such this like quick throwaway line. And I'm like, Oh my God, I've never caught that before. It was great. <laughs> What's the deal with water fluoridate fluoride? How do you say it? Fluoridation. 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 What? What is that? Like, is that putting fluoride in water? I've heard that like a lot of people kick a stink about this, and I uh, I don't know. Does anybody here know anything about it? Yeah. Well, ever since they put fluoride in water, people don't. You know, the, your dental hygiene has improved. Teeth have stopped falling out ridiculously compared to what it was like before they put fluoride in the water. Um, really? But you know, there's a lot of uh, conspiracy theorists. Conspiracy theorists nah, that will say that it's all five G. Yeah, yeah, it's five G. And chemtrails and the five G reacts with the fluoride in the water. Oh, of course. Um, oh, and, uh, and and causes it, act- it activates autism. It. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and I feel like that was that was just a good little bit of detail to just to show Ripper's mental state. Really, yeah, like, yeah. like we already knew, we already knew that he even to the point of it. when uh, Turgeson reads out the transcript and uh, he's like, "Everything makes sense," and then then he just goes, "And we're still trying to decipher what that last bit means." This is the whole, you know, of our essential fluids and everything else makes sense, and it's like, "Yeah, yeah. we're still trying to decipher what the last thing means." And, the, <laughs> and, and that whole bit, like, I know what it means. It means he's out of his mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that whole bit where he's talking to Mandrake about like sharing his essence and stuff. Like, yep. it's, it's so weird. It's, it's weird. Yeah. It's so weird. Get me some green alcohol and rainwater. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Do you reckon this movie was sponsored by the Coca Cola Corporation? Because <laughs> yeah, he's Possibly, like, he's like, oh, yeah, it's private property. Yeah, he's like, yeah, it's like you'll have to answer the Coca Cola Corporation. It's like, uh, I wonder who paid for this scene. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was funny. That was uh, that was Hezekiah from the Great Race. He was. You never seen the Great Race? Oh yeah, yeah, we was too. Oh, many years ago. It's cool. We should. Yeah. I might have to put that on my list. Um, I was going to get back onto something we were talking about earlier with the um the FBI sort of getting into Kubrick, Kubrick and um you know about his uh the sets and and how accurate they were. And there's, there's so many theories that, um, that Kubrick was working for the government in, in so many different aspects about things. And well, he directed um, the moon landing, didn't he? That's the, yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. So <laughs> yeah, oh, sorry, Brad. Oh, sorry. The, the, footage, <laughs> the footage that we know of the moon landing isn't actually the moon landing. So the, the theory is that, that, yeah, they went to the moon and did everything, but the footage that we've seen and we know is the moon landing. It was filmed by Kubrick as, because they needed something, to show and it was going to take way too long for the footage to get back from the moon landing. And if it didn't work, it wasn't going to be good. So they pre-filmed it all. And <laughs> what we know as the moon landing is actually that. And there's this great mockumentary about it and about how Ooh. it was filming and, and how it was filmed. Um, uh, I remember watching it years ago when it was one of the anniversaries of the moon landing. SBS had all these moon films on and this was one of them. And it was basically this great mockumentary about it, how every single person that was involved in that filming disappeared. And uh, oh, awesome. like, you know, you know that what that's called? People were, oh, I can't remember. It's, it's, yeah, I'll, I'll try and find it, but it was really, really good. But it was one of those mockumentaries that was done so well 
the actually at the end of it we was sat there going this this seems real like it's yeah, it was really good right. it was well done yeah and it made it made so much sense that it's exactly what they did and that was the scary part of the whole thing there's the movie that um does a similar thing i'm just trying to look up what it's called now but it's got rupert grin you know the guy that plays ron in harry potter and it's basically them filming uh the moon landing like it's the story but it's it's a movie not a not a like a, a mockumentary or anything like that and he's basically um they they film it but then at the end they're like oh they don't know if it's like real or not it's like because they're i don't know if their footage was good enough it, it, it's actually a pretty good movie i'm just trying to find it uh, it's called operation it's called, avalanche but, uh it was it was possibly possibly uh, anyway but it was it was a good watch if you if you can find it i'll keep trying to search for mm. it here, but... the um uh, the kubrick mockumentary is called dark side of the moon ah uh, cool okay Oh, right. uh, yeah. uh, 2016, Jules. Two young CIA agents uh, under the false pretense of making a documentary to investigate reports of a mole, but once they become entangled in a much bigger conspiracy involving the Apollo 11 mission. Anyway, directed by Matthew Johnson. Yeah, that sounds about right. 2016. That's, hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. I reckon yeah, that's right. Rupert, Rupert Grint's not in it, but anyway. Okay. Things I'll, to check out. One, but... Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. Dark Side of the Moon. Apparently, you can watch it on YouTube. Okay. 2002. Oh, cool. oh, I'm on it. Yeah, 2002. Uh, yeah, watched, French yeah. mockumentary. Yeah, it's really good. It's, yeah, awesome. It's well worth a watch. And it's one of those ones, yeah, it's scary. that it's, It is obviously a mockumentary, but it just makes so much sense. Which is, I know that, you know, is conspiracy theorists wet dreams when they see yeah, stuff like sure. that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, nice well, then. well, then. Anyone else in trouble? I'm sure oh, there's stuff in this episode that we left out, but that's okay. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, this feels great. I, I think we might uh, we might be kicking on a bit. I think. Excellent. I think. <laughs> Good call, Jules. Well, you know what it must be time for then. Well, it must be time for your favourite segment now, oh, which here would we go. No doubt, be every film has a shared universe. <laughs> that theme works. Yeah. I forgot it halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> Good ad-libbing. Um, Channeling yeah, sellers. Um, yeah, this is interesting. Um, yeah, yeah I, sh- um, I, sh- I share that confused look, Al. Um, we, we're getting worse at this segment, I have to say. No, 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 no. no. This, one, this, one's, this one's got some links. Like, oh, surely major, uh, major Jack Ripper lost his mind because he went to Oates Military Academy and they messed up his brain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and, and there it I is. Mean, it's and there it is. <laughs> you know, like, I'm sure I'm sure maybe the 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 guy, Major Oates from in hell when Bill and Ted go to hell in Bogus Journey, um that's like the son of Major Ripper or something. Like, who knows? Or that's yeah. Ripper in well, hell after he gets killed. You know well, to, to line up with the timeline, Colonel Oates would be like a private in this conflict. Ah. All right. So then he he has, has trained under Major Ripper and has grown up yeah. you know, with his beliefs mm. and has started okay. Oates Military Academy. Yep. Sure. Because he was, he was yep. discharged or something. <laughs> for, like for Oates, very simple- Sorry, Tim. Right. <laughs> okay, go for it, buddy. No, no, go for it. Um, I was thinking for a more simplistic connection um, that pre-report, um, pre-adventure, Bill and Ted would have used this film as their history example for nuclear war. So they basically... It, like it's like Caesar being a salad dressing dude, um, <laughs> and Joan of Arc you know, being that, Noah's wife. Yeah, maybe they would have seen this as a as a more of a serious <laughs> documentary than a than a satire film. Works yeah. for me. Yep, <laughs> they always work Flawless. for me. Yeah, <laughs> irrefutable. Irrefutable. <laughs> Hey, really quick, 
quickly, just to cut in there, the movie that I was talking about earlier with Rupert Grint, and it also has Ron Perlman in it, is a 2015 movie called Moonwalkers. Okay. I love a bit of love a bit of Pon Roman. Pon Roman, yeah. Pon uh, so, yeah, Roman. Yeah, Moonwalkers. I remember it being pretty good. It was it was worth a watch. It was yeah, a bit of a chuckle. Uh, yeah, I'll check that out. It'll yeah. be good. Good little comedy satire style film, if you will. Anyway. Uh, what's next? Oh man, ratings. are we getting to ratings? ratings. Oh, so. yeah. Brad, this was Brad. Do you want to kick this off? Your film, yeah. Unofficially, yeah. Well, kind of officially, unofficially, yeah. Um, <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Um, I'd love to know <laughs> what I gave it the first time. That would be interesting to go back. Um, I'm gonna say ninety-five. Yeah. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a respectable score. Yeah, it's it's I'm a happy, really I'm... it's a really great film, really good satire about an extremely serious, you know, time period. Um, brilliantly shot, brilliantly acted. Um, just it just works all around. And and I think that one of the the other things we didn't mention is the fact that it's all in black and white when it didn't need to be. But I think it added yeah. a little bit of a little bit of romance mm. to the to the storyline of of having it in in black and white. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. Which was it was I liked it. It's it's a great film. As I said, my favourite Kubrick film by far. Yeah, nice. Uh, I'm happy to go next. I'll um I'll, I'll I'm I'm up there as well. I'd probably give it like a 92. Uh, I think that's one of my highest scores of late. But uh, mm. 92, same deal. Like I I don't think I'd enjoy this movie as much if it was in colour. Like it's there's something about something about it being black and white. But yep, 92 for me. Very good. Um, uh, oh, I'm probably sorry. about 75. I reckon. Sure. 75. Oh, yeah, oh, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, loved it. Um, that's all I have to say. <laughs> Man, nice. a few words. <laughs> that's uh, all I have to say about that. Mine's a, mine's a, <laughs> a solid like 80, 88%, I reckon. That's right. It's like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is terrific. And, and easily, I remember. I'd throw this on, you know. It's be good. I'd like to. I'd like to actually sit down and watch this with you fellas as well. Like this would be a good. Next AGM, we'll do the double. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was. Um, yeah. I remember back when we first did this um, that I was really, really worried that you guys weren't going to like it, um, and I remember being very pleasantly surprised when, when, uh, when everyone did. Um, I thought it was going to be one of those ones where like people might just have not got it not got the satire part of it because sometimes satire can do that like you if, if you're not in the right frame of mind like if Jules has watched the curry or something beforehand um yeah. and I was really I was really no. yeah, I was really happy when when you guys had seen it and that, that everyone liked it it was it, it was like I hadn't wasted that film on on you guys I'm and, it, and to me it proved that it is a great film yeah yeah cool wow cool. what's next well, I suppose um, we need to find out where you can find us. Brad, where can you find us? <laughs> well, you can find us on all the socials. Um, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Um, don't worry about Twitter. Um, you worry or about our Twitter. email address. You can if you want. No one checks it, I but you can do it if you want. <laughs> um, our email address is sandemusfilm at gmail.com. Yes. Oh, he's nailing it. Yeah, thumbs up. There we go. Um, send us an email or contact us on Facebook. Either way. Um, put in a movie request uh, give us your score when you're giving us a request that would be really good Safe us contacting you and maybe even a little bit of a blurb about why you like the film um, that would also be quite helpful and please request films so we don't have to agree <laughs> you're just delaying my, my selection that's all <laughs> you know, that is exactly point. what we are doing <laughs> uh, that's the newest goal of this podcast is to just <laughs> delay you as right. long as possible <laughs> Yeah. What have right. we got next? Oh, I've got a listener request here. Uh, and if you've seen our socials of late, you've seen we've been uh, digging up some fan art by uh, a mate of mine, Adam. Uh, and he's also put in a request. So we're going to make this the, the week of Adam because he's been waiting for ages. <laughs> we've been queued up. Uh, and he says, so after deliberations, finally pulled my finger out and made a film request. We're going to go with 2018's The Guilty. Uh, oh, it's a Danish nice. thriller. So we're cool. going for a bit of Scandi Noiry kind of. Says, try not to read, watch much about it. All you need to know is a single location police drama. Uh, 
So, yeah, I believe it's on SBS On Demand currently, uh, but it might be disappearing very soon. So get onto it early and then we'll get back to you in a couple of weeks with uh, what we think about it. The Guilty. Yeah. This is going to be interesting. Adam's got a cracking taste of films and uh, this could go anywhere, quite frankly. Awesome. Cool. Cool. I'm on board. So, yeah. Rock and roll, Jess. Good chat. Um, great. Well, another another great episode. I'm really happy we went back to that. Um, and I think we yeah. uh, we didn't do it too soon. We we gave it time, and um, it all worked out well. I reckon. Um, shame, Keanu. Ke- I know Keanu really liked it. He was going to be here, but um, <laughs> I think he had something came up last minute. It was weird. I couldn't didn't quite understand what he said, but whatever. Um, <laughs> he'll obviously he'll obviously be with us next episode, so that's cool. Um, totally. But yeah, thanks again, everyone. Keep tuning in. We'll be online for the next little while. Be excellent to your ears. Party on, dudes.